You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. If you guys remember the uh, movie uh, A Few Good Men, some of you guys, and there's that that's you know the big the big part of the movie is that is that big confrontation in the court is a you know you want answers you want answers I want the truth you can't handle the truth you know that the big kind of moment where he slams the podium you know that little counter and says you can't handle the truth. You know, I, I think about the Bible, and, and this really is how we look at the Bible, because the Bible asks the question, do you want answers? Uh, you want the truth? And, and I think we are kind of, we don't really want the truth. You know, we don't really want the answers. We want an answer maybe, but we don't want the answer, and we don't want the truth. We are talking about uh, the runners in the Bible, the, those that were called by the name of Jesus to come back home or to, to return or to come to Christ. And what's interesting about, about the runners is that the majority of the big hitters of the Bible were runners. And if we were to kind of take a look at the truth behind their life, we would find that a lot of these heroes of the Bible were abusers. They were deniers. They were exploiters. And they were criminals who were redeemed. We're talking about redemption. Redemption is a term in the Bible that means uh, a lot of things. It, it is it is primarily a financial term. Redemption. You're going to think like like redeeming a coupon. There's this idea that that redemption means that you have been purchased or something has been purchased that a debt has been paid. That it, it takes something that is not valuable and or valueless and makes it valuable. And it, it conveys that there is a very clear debt problem. That there is a price that that must be paid and a purchase that was made. Redemption is all about how Christ paid the price for us so that though we are valueless, become valuable in the eyes of God. Once again, we are redeemed. We are made right again and good in the eyes of God again. These are stories of those who are the runners who heard the name of Jesus, who heard the name, their name called by God. Uh, all of us have a time or another when we would like to start over. So this is about those who get to start over. And maybe some of you uh, need to start over. Today is probably the most recognizable character in the entire Bible outside of Jesus, of course, God. But the most recognizable human being in the Bible outside of Christ. Uh, well, can you handle the truth about Moses? Because today we're going to kind of take a look at the worst days of his life. Let me just ask you, if if after you were dead at your funeral, by the way, every one of you will be having a funeral one day. Uh, <laughs> let's close in prayer. What a great way to end the service. Huh? <laughs> Go in peace. <laughs> now, every, every one of us is going to have a funeral one day um, of some kind, a memorial or something. And uh, when that day comes, you know, you know, they're in the last decade, they've been making, they've transitioned into just stories to videos. So there's like, in the last 10 years, it's like videos are the norm. Like if I have a video, a picture montage of the days, what if after you were gone, they put all the video together of your five worst moments in your life, where you were at your worst, did the worst, were the... You know, the, the, the days, the five moments of your life you are most ashamed of. What if that was your memorial service? 
Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, that's what we're going to do for Moses. Uh, Today, Moses, we're going to take a look at five of the worst clips of his life. We know the glory story. We we know uh, a lot about him. Who can who can shout out a couple things about Moses? What do you know about Bo- about Moses? That's okay. Don't look at it. What do you know about Moses? Oh, good one. That's a good one. He was a warrior. Good one. Now let's let's just move on. Uh, he grew a beard. Yeah, some of you guys, you know something, something about Ten Commandments. You saw the Prince of Egypt. You saw Exodus. By the way, Exodus is not the story of Moses. It's a story of a guy whose life is like Moses. Uh, it's not really true to the Bible, but it's a, it was an entertaining film. If you could sit through the long dialogue, it was really long. So uh, here's some big highlights of his story. I mean, you guys know it. Moses, his life starts with adventure. And in Exodus 2, uh, he sent up the river by his mother. Uh, that is, he saved Uh, from genocide. His mother puts him in a basket, sends him up the river. He's picked out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter and grows in honor as the grandson of the Pharaoh and raised as a son. He gets a world-class education. He has money. He has influence. He has everything you could ever imagine except one thing. He has no identity. He doesn't have a clear idea of who he's supposed to be. Well, he's also a warrior. In Acts chapter 7, it says, At that time, Moses was born, uh, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. In fact, the, the Jewish traditions of Moses have him as a great soldier, as a great warrior, as a great fighter in the ancient Jewish writings. Uh, he's also known as the first Jedi. The first Jedi for, you know, uh, God handpicks Moses. He says the force is great with this one. And he, he makes him a great uh, leader. Uh, and God directly through a, a bush that is inflamed but not burning begins to speak to him. Moses had a one-of-a-kind relationship with God. There's never been a single person on the planet that has interacted outside of Jesus Christ who is God in the flesh. There's not a single person in the Bible that walked with God like Moses did. Not only was he the first Jedi, he had the first lightsaber. I mean, he had that staff, and man, he had cool gadgets. He was like Batman. There's this sense that his staff, he could drop it on the ground, boom, it turned into a snake. He picked it back up, it was a rod again. It was like, like some kind of lightsaber. He touched the water, turned to blood. And the Bible even says that he, he had this trick with his, with his gown, with his cloak, uh, and, and it has this in, in Exodus 4, 6, it says, And the Lord said, Moses, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. It was like rotted white flesh. And he said, Now put it back in your cloak. And he said, uh, So he did. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. I mean, that's a weird trick. That that You don't hear about that on the Bible. Hey, Moses, stick your Thank you, Jesus. There's a sense that his cloak was, man, God's like, I am going to do crazy things in your life. I'm going to do things that don't make sense to many. Uh, you know, I'd be like, most of me, I don't know what, what I would even use that trick for, but it was cool. You know, hey, Moses, you want to see something crazy, you know, or a favorite want to see something crazy? Look at that. Ah, you know, ain't nothing, you know. 
It's, there's this, I don't know why that was even in the Bible, but he says, you know what? I'm going to do things that are quite amazing. Moses uh, sent 10 plagues. Uh, he, was, he was called by God, and, and God put him in that position. And uh, these things finally convinced Pharaoh to let them go. You guys might know the story of them leaving Egypt. And he, never, he used his staff, but he never used that robe trick. I'm like, God, when, when's the time? Because I'm ready. That is like crazy. It never happened. He split the Red Sea. Uh, Moses was chased into a corner, and God opened a way. They walked through a, a sea. Uh, Moses is, uh, gets God's desert GPS system. He gets a, a, a pillar of fire uh, at night and a pillar of a cloud of smoke uh, during the day that leads him. It's, man, how could you get lost with that? Could you imagine if you're in your car and you're driving and you got, I need your direction, and a pillar of fire shows up right in front of your car and God says, just follow the fire. You know, I mean, you would never get lost. You couldn't take a wrong turn. There's no recalibrating, uh, redirecting because you got your eyes on God's GPS. God used Moses to do food miracles and he sent manna. Manna means what is it? So what is it? Fell out of the skies. These balls of dough. And uh, he sent quail, sent food. He sent bird. Man, they were dropping out of the ground and they were eating fresh bird. Uh, Moses has had regular conversations with God to the point that, that God began to give him the word of the Lord for the very first time in the history of the world. Moses began to write down the very words of God. He's known as the lawgiver. Uh, he, was, he spent so much time in the presence of God that Moses had to wear a veil over his face because he, he glowed so much it scared people uh, because he had been in contact with the very presence of God. Uh, he wrote the first five books of the Bible known as the Torah. Uh, and, and these five books are the foundation of Judaism and Christianity. Moses was leadership personified. He led two million people out of bondage and into a new nation. He established a brand new nation that exists today. One of the most influential uh, nations in the world, Israel. Uh, Moses is known as a hero. He's considered the greatest of all prophets. Uh, I mean, compared to Noah. Noah, what'd you do? I, I built a boat. Moses is like, yeah, you want to know what I did? You know, see that sea over there? You know, and, you know, he's up there talking to Jonah. Jonah, what would you do? I, I, I saw the inside of a fish. Moses had miracles, had a connection, had a relationship that blew all of the prophets out of the water. However, in spite of all this, he was a runner. He was a man who constantly was running from himself and sometimes even running from God. In fact, if his story were a 70s cop show, it might look something like this.
I think that's a pretty good portrayal of the life of Moses if it were a 70s cop show. But what is uh, really good about that video portrays, it really lays out what his real problem was. Moses had a deep, real problem with rage and anger, with anger and rage. Uh, you know, we are a society of rage. We have become more and more impatient as we are texting away our conversations with short answers. We are becoming emotionally unable to interact with people on a real level. A life is moving so fast here in, in, in America that we are, we, I mean, we've got drive through windows and McDonald's isn't fast enough for us. You know, some of you guys, you, you don't go to Whataburger because they cook it to order. You're like, Whataburger's too slow. That five minutes you wait, it's too slow. Uh, microwaves are not fast enough. The minute rice is, is not fast enough. Some of you, you're just, because your temper is, is at a level of, you know, of, of, of boiling all the time, we, we have rage. You know, we have people who have road rage. There are Christians in this room, I know you have road rage. You have, you know, like, Jesus, I love you. You shut your door, get out, you know. You're cutting people off, and, you you know, you want to drive by the person that's making you so slow, and you look over there, this is a little lady being all sweet, and you're like, get off the road. We have road rage. We got, you know, there's school violence. I mean, violence is at an all-time high in school, whether it be fights or guns or weapons. We've got physical violence in our homes, uh, verbal abuse, violence in our homes. And you can't go to a sports event without people going insane, whether it's kids' t-ball to professional baseball. It doesn't matter. We just snap. We snap in our car. We snap at work. We snap in our home. And what, what, are, we, what are we actually teaching our kids? A few years ago, we were driving around in the car, and, and Summer was telling me about one of her friends. And Summer told me, she says, uh, she had a friend that told her this. She, her friend told her, uh, I want to swear when I grow up. Because my mom does it a lot. That was someone of you. It was one of your kids. I I don't know what kid it was, but that's a real, real quote from Summer. One of her friends, because there's just this sense of rage. You know, people go off. You know, Moses, though he was a a man who had a great glory story, he was a man who had deep problems with this. So I'm going to take a look at the five worst moments of his life, five angry clips uh, for his life. So the first one is Exodus chapter 2. Moses is currently living in Egypt. He's, uh, he's a son, living as a son of Pharaoh, the grandson of Pharaoh, and, but he's treated as a son. In verse 11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And, and I can't help but wonder why he would go out and watch his own people. It's almost like he had this sense of loneliness or guilt or sadness. He, had, he lacked a sense of identity of who he was, but he went out there just to watch how his own people were being treated badly. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. That's one of his own people. Uh, and as he was watching, all of a sudden he snaps. Verse 12, glancing this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand, just like he learned on The Sopranos the night before. He, he killed the guy. It was like a hit, and he buried him in shallow sand. And there's this, there's this sense that, that he was an angry person. We're going to get five people or five things that Moses was angry at. The first one, he was angry at injustice. Now, I want to say something that he had a right to be angry about what he saw. 
His anger, however, was not something that responded in something that was good. How he responded to it or reacted to it was negative because though he was angry at the right thing, it led to murder, a murder on the Nile. There's this, there's this, it reminds me of what's going down with the writing currently right now across the country. Their, their anger at perceived injustice and violence is leading to more violence. And that is not something that is ever going to be good for society or good for you as a person. In Exodus 2.12, 2, he says, glancing this way and that way and seeing no one, no person, he killed the Egyptian. And, you know, Moses, he did something that we all do, and that is he never looked up. He only looked at what other people weren't seeing. See, that's the thing with anger. It never looks up. It never asks God, what do you think? It's more about what I think and what I want, what I think is best. It's not, God, what do you want to do with this situation? Because if we were to stop for just a moment and not look right or to the left and see what we can get away with, but rather look at what God is doing, the outcome would be different. He was angry at the right thing, but he took it into his own hands. In Acts 7.25, it says this. It says, Moses thought, thought that his own people would realize that maybe God was using him to rescue him, but they did not. Moses thought, this is my time to shine. Justice is mine. He became his own avenger. Exodus 2.13, it says this. The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked, hey, what's wrong? And uh, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? He said, can't we all just get along? And the man in verse 14 said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses, uh-oh, was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. The moment we realize that we've done something really dumb. Some of you guys have lost your temper and, and in the moment of that rage, you're, you're not really thinking through, but maybe later in the next day, the next moment, you're seeing how your kids are responding. You're seeing the, how it's affected your family or those around you or your job. And you think, you know what, the moment you realize you've done something really dumb, that's what he did. But Moses, that's when he became a runner. It says, and he fled from Pharaoh and he meant to live in Midian and he got 40 years for murder. Because what he ended up doing is he ended up spending the next 40 years of his life in obscurity in the desert. We know very little about him for 40 years. He was running from his own poor choices and trying to run from his own anger. And though he ran from his problem, his anger followed him, as we're going to find out. Uh, what a shift from living in the palace to living in a tent, to leading people, to leading sheep, to, to, to people working for him, to working for others. Then God calls his name. When he thought God was done with him, God calls his name and calls him out of the desert and back home to Egypt to be the one to lead the people out of Egypt. Well, he's sent back to Egypt. Nine plagues later, Pharaoh keeps breaking his promises. And every time a plague is sent, the Pharaoh says, okay, okay, you can go. And then moments later, he says, no, you can't. And he gets all angry. And, and Moses has had enough, and he snaps. Now, God tells him, one more plague is going to do it, Moses. And he says, go tell them that the first uh, born of all their children are going to pass away when this angel of death comes through the town. When this 
angel of death comes through the town. Uh, you will be preserved if you put the blood of the lamb over the door of your house and if you consume the lamb inside that house. What a great picture of Jesus. But here's what happened. God tells him that, but Moses adds a little. This is what happens. So, so Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I'm going to go throughout Egypt. The firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse, uh, there, worse than there has ever been or ever will be. That's when basically God basically said, that's what I want you to tell him. Moses begins to say, but among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. And then all of a sudden he gets really riled up. He says, then you'll know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel and all these officials of yours will come down and bow to me, bowing down before me and say, please, please, go, go. And all your people who follow you, they'll beg and they'll plead. And then, he says, I'll leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. There's a sense that Moses even relayed the word of God with anger. You know, God says, tell him this. So he tells him this, and then all of a sudden he adds on, and you're going to beg me to leave. It's going to happen so fast that dogs aren't even going to have a chance to bark. That's how fast it's going to be. Then all you're going to be begging. And then, yeah, I just might leave. See, he was angry at authority. We find that Moses has real authority problems in his life, and he loses his cool over and over with authority. Again, he was on a mission from God, but he tended to allow his own anger to rile things up and make things worse. Maybe you're angry at authority. Maybe just the thought of a police officer makes you angry. Maybe a school teacher, you just have a chip on your shoulder. Maybe every boss you've ever had, has a, you have an issue with and you can't figure it out. It's because you have a problem with authority, or maybe it's your parents, and you just think they're so wrong about everything. Or maybe whether you're an adult and you look at your adult parents, or a teen and you're looking at your parents, maybe you're angry all the time at authority. I tell you, with him, it resulted in a chase. When you rile up authority or resist authority, you will be chased. The next one is right here. Happened uh, years later. A jump up about a year and a half. They've left Egypt. Now they're in the desert. Forty days, uh, Moses has been up on a mountain called Mount Sinai, and he's handwriting the Torah, handwriting the five books, first five books of the Bible, handwriting them. Two million people are down in town whining and, and getting restless, and uh, God chisels out on tablets the top ten, his top ten list, the Ten Commandments. See, the Torah, the five books were written by Moses by hand, but the Ten Commandments were written by God on stone. That means it's not optional. It doesn't change. There's no, there's no room for error. See, Moses, in his writing, uh, there's room for the possibility we might think of change. I mean, God's proofreading it all. But that stone tablet says, this is my writing. This is my hand. It's in stone. It's not optional. This is the way that the, the life and the character of God looks at the world. So God gives him the Ten Commandments. He taps Moses on the shoulder and says, man, you need to get down there. They're going crazy. 
because they're getting restless. Moses has been up on the mountain 40 days. So they, they're begging the, the high priest, Aaron, we got to do something. We got to worship something. And Aaron, instead of going, worship God, he brought you here. He's sustaining you. Aaron says, hmm, I got an idea. Let's get all our gold and melt it down. And he melted down. He, he melted into a little golden baby calf. And he says, boom, see that baby calf? That's your God. Are they out of their mind? So they begin to worship this, this little tiny baby cow. And they start to party and they start to orgy. They, they, it gets out of control. Moses is up there just getting the Ten Commandments, writing down the Torah. And God says, man, you better get down there. I'm going to kill somebody. God says, whoa, just hold on, God. I want you to realize this. Joshua was with Moses the entire time. The entire time that Moses was writing down the Ten Commandments, Joshua was there. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, Joshua was there. When he talked to God in the cleft of the rock, Joshua was there. He says, man, you need to get down there. Moses runs down there with the tablets with Joshua. Exodus 32, 19, it says, When Moses approached the camp and he saw the calf and all the dancing, his anger burned. That word burn means ignites. That means he just exploded inside. His anger, he gets down there, hey, guys, look what I got. What? And he's like, oh, he just, anger ignites. It means eruption. It literally means on fire. So his anger burns, erupts, and he throws the tablets that God wrote. I mean, you know, it's God wrote them, and he slams them down. He threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made, and he burned it in the fire, and then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. So they're drinking gold, and later they're pooping gold. That's the thought. There's a process here. He says, you know what? You're never going to want that gold again, or you're disgusting. He made them drink it. He goes on a rampage. The Bible tells one of the darkest stories of the Bible right here. Moses literally kind of draws a line and he said, if you want to live for God, then you come over here on this side. And a group of people did. It was primarily a group of a family called the Levites. And after they all joined Moses on that side of the line, he says, here, guys, here's swords. Go slaughter everybody that doesn't repent. And that day, at the command of Moses, Moses killed 3,000 of his own family and friends. That was not God's doing. That was not God's command. That was not God's will. Moses lost it. He killed 3,000 people, unrepentant people in cold blood. I want you to write this down. He was angry at people. He was angry at people. He had no patience whatsoever for people's mistakes. He had no patience he had no grace for other people's failures again he had a good reason to be angry but he goes over the top and he reacts he starts throwing things and he starts hurting the people he loves guys some of you have done that exact same thing you haven't killed somebody hopefully maybe you have but we have done just that we've done that same thing we have some of you have so little patience for someone's mistake or failure your child or a co-worker or a boss, and, and all of a sudden you get home or you walk in and you go on kind of rampage. 
You got, you got broken doors in your house. You got walls with posters over holes. I grew up in a house like that. My brother had posters all over his room to cover a bunch of holes in the wall because he would punch the wall all the time. When, whenever he got in trouble, he'd go up to his room and just, oh, start punching walls and throwing stuff. So, you know, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. You guys might have a door or two or a wall that has a hole. You've broken a few items. You're reacting like, like Moses. Some of you are guilty of the same thing, slamming doors and throwing things like a child. Here's another one. Moses fed up. He reaches the limit and he starts to vent to God. He says, uh, uh, Numbers 11, he says, Then Moses heard the people of, of every family wailing. And they're just complaining and griping, wailing. It's not like, oh, it's like, ah, oh, we hate it here. So they're complaining each at the entrance of his tent. So the entire two million people and all the families, they're outside the tent saying, Moses, you suck. They're wailing and angry. This is exactly what's happening. The Lord became exceedingly angry, which is good because God is telling us here that there are moments to be angry. All right, we're going to talk about that in a second. He says, and Moses was troubled. And he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on me, your servant? Moses is telling God, why me, God? Why me? He asks, why are you doing this? What have I done? to displease you, that you put the burden of these people on me. He says, man, did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? He says, man, they're like a bunch of babies. Are they my children? Did I give birth to these babies? Why are you putting me in a position to have to put up with their negative attitudes all the time? He says, why do you tell me to carry them in, your, in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised an oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. He says, man, I cannot carry all these people by myself, God. He's angry and the burden is too heavy for me. And he's getting real with God right now. He says, if this is how you're going to treat me, he's talking to God. Put me to death right now. If you found favor in your eyes, if you love me, do not let my face, he says, and then do not let me face my own ruin. He says, basically, if you love me, kill me. Kill me. God, kill me. I'm sick of it. Man, they're not my kids. God, take me out or I'm going to go crazy. God, I want, you, I want you guys to write this down. You know who else he was angry at? He was angry at God. Moses was angry at God. Now, what's interesting here is in this portion of the story is that, is that God actually responded with, a, with an answered prayer. And there's a reason why God responded with an answered prayer. He sends quail. These people are starving. God sends quail. Now, what I want you to hear is that even though he was angry at God and he still had issues that God was redeeming him with, the reason he answered Moses' cry is because he went to God, because he talked to God, because it was authentic. Man, you, I want you to know, instead of unleashing on your wife or unleashing on your kids, you need to unleash with God. You need to unleash uh, your anger to God and, and, and talk to him and acknowledge his, his power, his strength, his authority, and humble yourself before him. And, and know that God can handle it. And that was, that was the attitude. Even though he was angry, he gave it over to God. And, 
And, uh, you know, if we could just take our anger to God instead of uh, taking it out on others, a lot of the pain that anger causes would be avoided. Here's one more, clip number five of his five most, uh, his worst anger moments of 40 years of wandering in the desert. 40 years of these griping, negative, complaining, selfish, ungrateful people. Moses finally has enough. In Numbers 20, it says, In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam, Moses' sister, died and was buried. So issue number one, loss, grief. And we're going to see that he boils, all right? He's, he's, he boils, but there's a lot of issues. Some of you guys, you, you, when you unleash rage, it's not usually that thing that you're angry about. It's a series of things that's going on in your life, and you're going to see Moses unleashes a rage that really gets him a huge amount of trouble. But that was issue one. He lost his sister, grief. Uh, now, there was no water in the community. All right, so they're all, they're wandering around. They're dehydrated. They're not thinking clearly. Their bodies are not uh, hydrated properly. They're, they're, not, they're not fresh. They're not restored. They're not in a healthy state physically. It says, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. So now you've got angry accusations. You've got people talking about you behind your back. You've got people saying negative things. You've got people who are not being patient or angry or they're just attacking you. You see how this is building up. Loss in his family. He's not in a good physical health state. He's got people around him attacking him and accusing him. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. That means, man, if, if, if only we had died earlier, we wouldn't have had to been out here with you. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? So they're abrasive and they're needy and they're angry. And Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and they fell face down. It says, they said, God, I've had enough. I've had enough. That was a good step for him. But he doesn't do what God asks him to do in a moment. Some of you guys, when you get angry, you, 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 man, you, you take it to God. You get on your face. God, I don't know if I can handle this. God, I'm angry. Uh, think, man, I'm, I'm hurting. I, I've lost someone I love or I broke up in a relationship and uh, there's just, I'm feeling lonely, God. People are attacking me. I'm not healthy. I'm not eating right. I'm not sleeping right. I'm not thinking clearly. And, and just everything around you is just, uh, so you fall down on your face. You're talking to God and God shows up because that's what he does when you fall on your face before him. And God begins to tell him a way to restore some peace to his life. But he doesn't do what God says. But he started off doing the right thing by getting on his face with God. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, uh, and, and, and your brother Aaron, and gather the people together. He gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You see, the last time he was told to strike the rock. We're going to talk about that in a second. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. <laughs> I love this. He's like, listen, you, uh, you rebellious little whatever. Okay. Need to, let me get all Moses on you in here. Uh, Moses said, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? See, immediately he starts 
You notice it's not like God's going to do this. It's like, this man, I'm so angry at you. Do we have to, do I have to do this again? Man, he immediately, he forgot where his strength, where his power, and where that, where that answer had come from. And Moses, knowing what he was to do, but still angry, 40 years of dealing with his people, his sister is dead, they're pushing, they're yelling, and he's sick of it all. He knows that he's to speak to the rock, verse 11. Then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Now, why twice? Because the first time it didn't do anything. Bam, nothing. God said to speak. And so he hits it again. Bam, and God relents and gives them water. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. And you're like, well, at least it worked, right? You know, sometimes you just lose your anger. No, this is what happened. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land in which I give them. I want you to write this down. Moses was angry at the world. He was angry at the world. And it didn't matter that God was going to supply his needs. He was angry at everybody at everyone, whether it was because he grew up 40 years as an Egyptian without an identity or whether he spent 40 years in, in a desert, you know, being bossed around by his father-in-law or whether he spent another 40 years with a bunch of negative whiners and complainers. He was angry all the time and at everyone. And it's as if God said, you know what? Moses says, I've had enough. And God says, you know what? It's as if he said, I've had enough of you too. I've had a enough of your tantrums. I have had enough of your emotional outbursts, of your immaturity, and your anger has now been the very thing that's going to keep you from the great, great, greatest moment of your life. It's going to keep you from this great plan of God that I had called you to. You'll see the land, but you'll never step in it. So God took Moses up to this mountaintop, and he says, that's it. That's what you'll never have. That's what you'll never get. That's what you're never going to walk into. That's never, you're never going to enjoy that because you can't control yourself. Guys, some of you, God has given you a glimpse right now of the family, of the relationship, of the life that you can still have. It's not too late. It was too late for Moses. It doesn't have to be too late for you. You don't ever want to be 80 years old and looking back at the family you wish you could have had, but you drove them away because you're angry. Or the, the relationship with your kids that you don't have because you were always so harsh and mean. Some of you guys, you're grown adults, and you look back at your dad, and you, like, you, you have mixed feelings. You kind of love him, but he was an angry, mean person. So it's like inside of you, there's no resolve. There's no sense of peace. You just wish... And you become the man in many ways that your father was to you, and you don't like yourself for it. And it's like you're on top of the mountain looking at what you wish you could have because you're angry at the world. Because you're angry of however you've been living or however you, the life that you've been given. See, this rock that, that by the way, this, why was God so angry about the rock? Because I want you to know this this rock was more about Jesus than less about water. It wasn't just about getting water. It was a picture of Jesus. Let me explain. In Exodus 17 is the first time he drew water out of the rock. In verse 5, uh, he, you know, they had judged and convicted and were ready to stone Moses to death because they were thirsty. And God said, hit that rock over there. Give him some water. And in verse 5, it says, The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, strike the rock, 
the water will come out from it, and people will drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and they drank. And that place was called struggle and strife. Another word for that is temptation, because at that moment with the striking of the rock, that struggle, that strife, and that temptation, his death was rescued by the restoring waters of that rock. Now, the first time God said, strike the rock, and you will be rescued. See, Jesus, he's the rock on the cross for us that was stricken for us, and his blood flowed out. He was not crucified twice. He was not crucified three times. He was crucified once and for all. Stricken for our sin and death. Well, that's a big stretch. No, it's not. First Corinthians 10 says this, For I do not know, uh, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. He's talking about the Egyptians in the desert with Moses. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the fire. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Guys, listen, that picture of of that rock struck once, bringing forth life. All of a sudden, God says that next time, all you got to do is speak to the rock. Guys, Jesus was crucified once for you. All you got to do is talk to Jesus. All you got to do is call out to him for refreshing water. He's already been crucified. He's already been buried. He's already been risen from the dead. All you must do is cry out to him. And here comes Moses knowing that that is a picture that God wanted to preserve. He struck the rock and God says, don't mess with my pictures of Jesus. Don't mess with Jesus. And he says, you know what? You're not going to ever, ever go into that promised land. Interesting. Where do you think these five clips came from? Who wrote these five clips of his most embarrassing moment? Moses did. Moses wrote them. While in the desert, he told the truth. If we could sit down and you were to write down your five most embarrassing moments where your anger got the best of you, what would you write down? What would you say? How could he write this? Two reasons. Number one, it was true. Number two, he was redeemed. He knew that even though he had a problem, that God was restoring him and healing him and forgiving him. And even after he didn't get the promised land, he still was restored and refreshed and forgiven by God. Why do we explode? Well, like Moses, we often explode because of family issues growing up that we can't deal with. Our ego, our pride, our stress, we've had enough blame, overworked, underpaid, or because somebody deserves it, just like Moses. And what are the excuses that we make whenever we get angry? Well, we make the same excuses Moses does. Well, it's because of racism. It's because of injustice. It's because of corrupt authority. Uh, it, it's because we're fed up with the, all the disobedience and all the negativity. We're fed up with the immorality. And God says, you know what? Your anger is justified, but your reaction is not. I want you to realize this. How can you understand anger? I want you to know this. Anger is not wrong. Anger is actually a gift from God. God gave us that emotion of anger as a blessing. Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. So you can be angry and it doesn't have to be a fruit of sin. Uh, It doesn't have to bring the fruit of sin. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. That means resolve the issues as fast and as quick as possible. And do not give the devil a foothold. See, if you allow anger to continue, you allow the enemy a foot in the door of your life. 
He says there's a moment where anger can be healthy, but there's a moment when it becomes an entryway into your life for the enemy to bring destruction. Guys, listen, anger is a gift. It brings, think about it, anger brings a sense of urgency. It brings power and strength. It brings laser focus, and, and it causes us to defend, and, and, it, and it causes us to bring safety to those around us. Anger is one of the fastest things to move us to action in our life. I mean, when you see something unjust and you have a righteous anger, it moves you immediately to action that must be done. Anger, however unbridled, can bring incredible destruction and be incredibly dangerous in our life. Uh, I actually found a clip of, uh, of Moses um, responding to a moment in anger. So let's see, this is the last clip of Moses here. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Sometimes anger can be a good thing, but there is a way out of destructive anger. So let's take a look at this. We're going to wrap this up in like the next two minutes. I want you to write this down. We're going to go through this pretty quick. Uh, the way out of, destru- uh, of destructive anger. How, you know, maybe you have lost your temper more than once. Don't let that anger and that rage define your future. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to allow our future to be defined by God's will. So let's take a look at this real quick. The first thing is you need to know that God can redeem anyone. If you're here and you feel like you've gone too far, done too much, uh, there's nothing you've ever done that God cannot forgive. Moses was washed out past his prime, but God said, I want you. Romans 8, 28, we know the verse, but I want us to look at it in relation to this. And we know that all things God works for the good. That means all things are not good, but means that all things can be worked for good. Some things are evil. People hurt people, and, and, and some things are just the absolute opposite of good. And some of the things that you have done have been terrible and violent and harsh. The things you have said, the things you have, have done, the places you have gone. But in those horrible things, God says, I can still work in you something good. But not just for anybody. He says, it's for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means for those who are his. Guys, listen, if you bow the knee to Christ and you receive his grace and forgiveness through the cross of Christ, you become a child of God. And as a child of God, he can take what you have done, as horrible as it may be, and turn it into something good in your life. Redemption starts with exchanging your life for his. 
to become a child, to become his. Here's the second thing is we need to can the excuses. Stop with the excuses. Stop with the, will my dad or my father or my life or my boss. Like Moses, sometimes even our reasons are justified, but our actions are not. Our worst comes out when we're angry. I want you to think of those times right now where the worst of you has come out. Accept the fact that you were wrong. Can the excuses. You've hurt people. You've hurt your family. You've hurt your job. You've hurt co-workers. You've possibly even hurt your, your kids. It is time to own your own mistakes. And like Moses, you know what you've been asked, so stop making the excuses. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Just slow down for a moment and listen. Slow to speak and slow to anger. That means you need to own what you're thinking. You need to own what you've done. Stop talking so much. Can the excuses. Stop blaming people, your experiences, your, your job, your family, your coworker, your life, your money. Stop with the excuses. He says, but because human uh, he says, but because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, he says, therefore, get rid of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You don't have to be on the mountaintop looking at the life you wish you had. You can right now can the excuses and see God Save you. Stop making the excuses for your actions. It's unacceptable. Humbly accept God's challenge to you today. Here's number three is eat some crow. It's time. That means uh, you, some crow is, is considered a bird that is very terrible to eat. It's very bitter. It's very gamey. has a terrible taste. And he says, you know what? It's time to taste the humility of bitterness. It's time to own what you have done. And, 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 and uh, sometimes it means things taste bad. Don't Say, well, I'm sorry, but humbly, humbly say, I was wrong. I am sorry. I should have never have done that. I should have never had said that. I, I should have never have acted that way. Eat some crow. Acknowledge it. Number uh, four, leave it to God. So some of you, you feel like you need to justify what that coworker's done or what that family member's done or what your dad's done or what your parents have done. Or, or what your kids have done. You need to justify what your neighbor's done. Just leave it to God. Do you really believe that God is just? Do you really believe that God deals justly with everyone? Then you need to believe that and let God deal with people. He is the avenger. We are not. Leave it to him. Don't be like Moses and take things into your own hands, leaving a trail of bodies behind us. Moses was at his best dealing with anger when he was submitting and letting God deal with it. So here's the last thing. It's a blank. Number five, what you need to do is the blank. What you need to do here on your notes is this where you need to write down that person or that situation that you need to write to or that you need to call or that issue at work that you need to fix, that you need to get right. Because changing your life is not a matter of just owning and confessing. It's also about turning in the other direction and repairing the damage that you have done to the best of your ability. Maybe this is the person you need to ask forgiveness from. Maybe this is the thing that you need to repair and make right, restore. See, Moses had a great resume. He had a dynamic resume. But ultimately, he failed 
because he never got a hold of his anger. Guys, I want to pray for you. That your anger does not get the best of you and hold you back from his plans for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are the forgiver of sin. You are the one that redeems and restores. God, you are the one that forgives. God, if there's anyone here, I know many of us in this room have said things, we've done things, we've responded in ways that were unhealthy and that hurt those around us. God, I pray that we would own the fact that what we are doing is wrong and inappropriate. We can the excuses, eat some crow, acknowledge that we were wrong. Humbly go to those people, Father, and attempt to make those things right. And more than anything, God, that we would know that you can forgive us and that you will deal with those that have angered us. Father, help us to be people of peace and hope and patience, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.